This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, Say It Ain't So, Washington. Say It Ain't So. One mountaineer is leaving Morgantown. Another is weighing his options. Will the Lakers ever win again without LeBron and AD? And we will hear, well, not hear, we will go over a statement uh, released by the lawyer of Deshaun Watson as the lawsuits continue to pile up against the Texans quarterback. All that and more coming up in the next two hours of today's show. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. Our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Like those pages. Follow those pages. Leave a message on those pages. A question, you got a comment, an opinion on anything we talk about or anything you want us to bring up. It's open. It's right there for you. It's easy. If I can do it, anybody can do it. So hit me up on Twitter or Facebook. Also, taking your calls on the Rush Line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day minus commercials. Go back and listen to anything that you may have missed. Well, quite frankly, since the show started, because every single show is up there. All right, so now that that's out of the way, let's get things started with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we start with girls' high school basketball, where Frankfurt got a tough section win over Petersburg last night, 55-53 in short gap. Marie Perdue had 23 points. Izzy Layton had a double-double with 12 points and 10 rebounds for the Falcons. Elsewhere, Tucker County was a 59-43 winner over Moorfield. Uh, Katie Colbank had 18 points. London Hood had 16 for Tucker. McKenna Kreitz had 14 for Moorfield. On the boys' side, Petersburg got by Kaiser 52-45. Pendleton County beat East Hardy 64-43. Pendleton has now won 28 straight games dating back to last season. And Fairmont Sr. was 20 better than Preston, uh, 67-47. In college basketball, West Virginia guard Sean McNeil announced... Did I say that right? Sean McNeil announced... Say that five times fast. He is entering the NBA draft process, but left open the possibility of returning to Morgantown for his senior season. McNeil averaged 12.2 points a game this season and made 69 three-pointers. One Mountaineer guard who isn't coming back is Jordan McCabe, 
who announced that he is transferring. McCabe played in 94 games over three seasons, started 29 of 31 games as a sophomore, but saw his minutes drop to just 10.9 a game this season. And Pitt sophomore Justin Champagny, who was a first-team All-ACC selection this season, he is also testing the NBA draft process, but may also return to Pittsburgh. More on uh, the process in just a bit. In college football, former Penn State offensive coordinator Kirk Shiraka has joined the West Virginia coaching staff as an offensive analyst. Shiraka was the OC and QB's coach at Penn State in 2020, and he held the same positions at Minnesota from 2017 to 2019. He and uh, Mountaineer head coach Neil Brown coached together at Delaware in 2005. In spring training action, Adam Frazier homered for the only run of the game as the Pirates beat the Twins 1-0. Trey Mancini and Michael Franco homered as the Orioles beat the Rays 5-2. And the Nationals and Cardinals played to the ever-popular spring training 5-5 tie. Kyle Schwarber continued to stay hot this spring. Homer, double, two RBI for the Nets. And in the NBA, Julius Randle dropped 37 as the Knicks beat the Wizards 131-113 at MSG. Bradley Beal had 22 points for Washington. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. A couple more things real quick that I forgot to add into uh, my text. Got some emails here concerning some high school football. Uh, This one, actually both of them might be from Mountain Ridge now that I think about it. Yes. Uh, This coming Friday, Allegheny is head up the mountain to take on Mountain Ridge. Kickoff is 5 o'clock. Gates and ticket booth open at 3. All available tickets will be sold on the day of the event. So no pre-sales. If you want to go to the game, you're getting a ticket Friday. Once stadium capacity is reached, the gates will be closed. And if you can't get in, if you get there and the gates are closed, sorry about your luck, but you can watch the game on the NFHS network. And if you wish, uh, you want to purchase access to the NFHS network, it can be reached at, <laughs> here we go again, nfhsnetwork.com. Uh, So there you go. Also a reminder here, uh, the following week is a rare, an extremely rare Thursday afternoon tilt at Mountain Ridge. The Miners are hosting a Fort Hill. It's a one o'clock kick. (laughs) One o'clock. Gates open at 11 and it's the same deal. All available tickets sold day of the game. Once capacity is met, gates are closed, and you can watch the game on the NFHS network. So there you go. Still, after, what is it now, three games? Is it three? Yeah. I cannot get used to high school football or any kind of football in March. It's just it's just foreign to me. Uh, speaking of being foreign to me, I can't understand... I can't wrap my mind around 
a professional sports franchise, thinking about going forward with no nickname. However, Washington football team president Jason Wright said during an interview with ESPN yesterday that the team is strongly considering keeping Washington football team as its official name instead of coming up with a new nickname. And Wright, he made sure to be clear that there is no leading contender for a new name But apparently some fans have kind of warmed up to Washington football team or WFT. So the organization is thinking about just keeping it that way. Now Wright did say that Washington football team will remain in place for the 2021 season and a permanent name will be in place for 2022. So we are, or at least I am, stuck with Washington football team for another season. And Wright said the team has received some input on WFT. Some people like the fact that it kind of, uh, the name ties in with the team's history. And Wright said, this is a quote here, it's important for us to, let me try it over again, it's important for a substantial part of our fan base To feel this is a, I can't speak today. What's going on here? I haven't been drinking yet. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Although I may start soon. Let's try that again. It's important for a substantial part of our fan base to feel this is a continuation of something versus a complete restart, something brand new, end quote. So he's saying they don't want to come up with a nickname that's going to make fans feel like the old team is forgotten, right? The the previous 87, 88 years, they don't want a complete disconnect. They want to have something that's going to kind of, you know, bridge the gap between the old brand and the new brand. And they feel, or some fans, some people feel that Washington football team We'll bridge that gap. I'm not so sure about that. Wright also said there's a chance a new name could be announced before the end of this season, so we'll kind of get an idea, and then that'll go into effect next season. So far, there have been 15,000 submissions. From 60 countries and six continents. Apparently, uh, there are no Washington fans on Antarctica. Regarding a new name and logo, and the team will continue to take submissions on the name and logo through April 5th, which is, uh, is it two weeks from now? Closing up somewhere around there. And then they'll go on from there. And Wright said that re- this rebranding, of the franchise goes beyond just the name and logo, right? Uh, he, he's talking about the whole game day experience from parking to entertainment to concessions. You know, recently the cheerleader program was scrapped in favor of a co-ed dance team. And the marching band, which was put on pause, will also return with a new look as well. 
So they just don't want to throw out a new, you know, nickname and logo. They want it to be all-encompassing. Encompassing. What is wrong with me today? I'm tired is what it is, which I understand is nothing new. Like, every day I'm tired, right? Every single day I am tired. It's just a matter of what level, of what degree of tiredness I am at. I never, since this show started a year and a half ago, I've never come into work fresh. I've (laughs) I've never come into work awake and ready to go. I'm tired every day. Today is apparently a, a high high degree of exhaustion because the words just aren't, they're not coming out properly. Anyway, uh, I understand that you can't rush into something like rebranding and renaming an entire franchise that's been around for nearly a century. I get it. It takes careful thought. It takes consideration. You just don't want to jump right in. But it's been, what's it been now, a year? Over a year? About that? It's been a year since they dropped the old nickname. And they went with the Washington football team for last season. It's time to pick a name. All right? It really is. Any name other than Washington football team. Please. For the love of all that is good and right in the world, please do not keep it the Washington football team. And I'm not even a Washington fan. I'm looking at it from just my perspective. Someone who talks about sports, someone who has to talk about that team on this show. A team needs a nickname. It needs an identifier. We can't go (laughs) for the next 80 years, not that I'll be around 80 years from now, we can't go decades talking about the Cowboys versus the WFT, which sounds more like a wrestling card than anything else. We cannot go for decades looking forward to the NFC East matchup the Giants versus the Washington football team, or just Washington. And, you know, I I jokingly, and and quite admirably, because I I like Ron Rivera, I I, I refer to them on the show as the Washington fighting Riveras because of Ron Rivera. I can't do that forever. (laughs) I I can't keep that up. The team needs a nickname. Like, what... (laughs) What if they get a head coach like Oregon State basketball coach Wayne Tinkle? I <laughs> I can't call him the Washington Fighting Tinkles. You have to have a nickname. I don't care if it's something generic like the Washington Blue Crabs. Or <laughs> I don't the, the Washington uh, I don't know. You pick a sponsor, the Hondas. I mean, at least you have something for a logo, something to brand. You can't go walking around with three letters as your logo. I don't get that. So, again, nothing set in stone. Jason Wright said that it is just one of many, 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 many contenders 
and that they're thinking about keeping it. I, I hope they don't. You have to have a name. Am I, am I off on that? I, I can't see. Like, how are you going to brand that? You know, they, they did talk about and they're going to keep the old the color scheme, the burgundy and gold, which is fine. That's great. And I will admit that their uniforms last year with just the numbers on the helmet, those were pretty, those were pretty spiffy. I, I, I did enjoy those. And really, you can keep those uniforms, but you still got to have got to have a name. That would be like the Steelers dropping the Steelers and just going the Pittsburgh football team. The PFT. Right? Or uh, the Ravens, or the Baltimore football team. The BFT. <laughs> just doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't flow. Especially in my line of work. You know, it's, it's Giants versus Cowboys. Eagles versus Bears. Vikings versus Buccaneers. Chiefs versus Raiders. That's what it is. Nickname versus nickname. It can't be 49ers versus the Washington football team. It's just, I'm sorry. It doesn't work for me. It's been a year, and I I haven't gotten used to it, and I I won't get used to it. So if you're a Washington fan, I want to hear from you. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush. On Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio, or give me a call, 301-759-2628. If you're a Washington fan, would you be cool with the Washington football team staying the Washington football team? Or do you feel like they need to come up with a new nickname? If they came up with a new nickname, do you think that it would completely disconnect this version from the old version. See, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I really don't think that coming up with a new nickname would just simply make people forget about the previous, you know, 80-plus seasons. I don't see that happening. You're still going to be Washington, right? It's not like you're changing. It's not like you're going to be the, the D.C. football team. Or the Landover football. You're still you're just going to be the Washington something else's. I don't see that dis, that whole disconnect thing. So again, chime in. Give us a call. If you're a Washington fan, 301-759-2628. Would you be okay with simply being the WFT for the next Lord knows how long? Or do you want a nickname? I want a nickname. I have a few nicknames myself, but I can't say any on the air. All right. We got news and weather coming up and more of the rush when we come back. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Just got done talking about the Washington football team. And uh, there now seems to be a possibility of the Washington football team becoming the official name of the Washington football team. Like, no nickname, just that that would be it, WFT. And 
from an outsider's perspective, I don't like it at all. I don't want to have to sit here for as long as I have this position and have to refer to him as WFT or Washington football team. But I want to hear from Washington fans. So the poll is up there at ESPN Morning Rush. If you are a fan of Washington, would you be okay with the organization keeping WFT as its official name, or do you want a nickname? And you got two choices there on the poll. I'd be good with WFT or need a new nickname. So head over to Twitter, at ESPN Morning Rush, cast your vote. And as always on this show, every vote is counted. Or you can give us a call, uh, 301-759-2628. I, uh, I just don't have it today. I don't. Full disclosure, I just don't got it today. Usually, 99.5% of the time, I can sit here. Look, when I get here in the morning, usually around 4 o'clock, I am dragging my hindquarters. You know what I mean? Just groggy, out of it. And I really never get into it (laughs) until it's time for the show to start. I will sit here for, you know, a couple hours, three hours actually, just, you know, getting through what I have to get done, preparing for the show. But as soon as, it you know, 7 o'clock hits, it's showtime, let's go, let's open up the mic, and I don't, it's, I don't, you can't call it adrenaline, whatever it is, will carry me through two hours. Like It's like, all right, showtime, let's flip the switch and let's go. That's most of the time. Today, this switch is broke. <laughs> Today, 7 o'clock hit. I opened the mic and nothing happened. It just I, I just I don't have it today. I mean, we'll get through. I mean, we'll get to nine o'clock. Don't have a choice, really. But there's no adrenaline flow this morning. It's just me. And we've all we've had those days, right? You have those days where you're just you're getting through the work day, right? Where you just don't feel you feel off, you're tired, you're sluggish. I'm just just getting through. So anyway, uh, yesterday, in case you missed it, I had a good laugh because we were talking about uh, this gentleman, uh, Jensen Carp. We were talking about the uh, the cereal where he apparently, allegedly, found shrimp tails in his box of cereal, and he took a picture and he put it on uh, put it on Twitter. And looking at the picture on the surface, it looks like, indeed, there were shrimp tails. Like somebody had, you know, eaten a shrimp and deposited the tail, you know, somewhere near and around the cereal processing facility. And those tails found their way into a box of cereal. Later in the day, I found out that this guy, Jensen Karp, who is an author, he is married to none other than Danielle Fischel, who, if you go back far enough, you remember, she was Topanga 
on the TV show Boy Meets World. <laughs> like, like that story, if that story wasn't bizarre enough or just like, you know, crazy enough as it was, guy finding scrimp tails in his cereal, it turns out the guy's married to Topanga from Boy Meets World. It's just, just a funny little side note there. I never got into it. I know people love that show, right? I don't know if it was. It just wasn't around my age bracket. I, I was probably too old for it. But people really loved Boy Meets World. Wasn't it with the uh, the other Savage kid? Not Fred Savage, but the other one. Right? Because Fred Savage was in The Wonder Years, which I did watch, which was fantastic. The other Savage. Well, I don't even know what his name was. The Ben? Randy Macho Man? Maybe that was... <laughs> Oh, Topanga! Oh, yeah! Anyway. Now I got to find out this kid's name. I think it was Ben. Who was the... Okay, let me see here. Is it Ben Savage? It was. I was right. Ben Savage was on... Uh, he was Corey on Boy Meets World. So there you go. All right, anyway. So uh, some college hoops talk right now. We talked a lot of college hoops on Monday and Tuesday, as you can imagine. Uh, with the NCAA uh, tournament. And now we have a little bit of a fallout. Now the season has come to an end for so many teams. Uh, remember when the Sixers had that rallying cry for a few years, you know, trust the process, right? Well, there's a few college basketball players uh, that we've mentioned on this show on more than one occasion who are doing just that. They are going to trust the process. West Virginia guard Sean McNeil and Pitt forward Justin Champagny both announced they are entering the NBA draft process, but they are both leaving the door open to return to their respective schools. As long as they don't hire an agent, you got to stay away from the agents. The players can go through the entire draft process, team workouts, team interviews, team meetings. They can get outside evaluations. All of this stuff to kind of determine where they would fall in the NBA draft, their draft stock, if you will. And after all that, they can still return to school if they don't feel like you know it would be worth their while to officially enter the draft. And really, it's not like the old days. The old days, you entered a draft, that was it. You couldn't go back to college. Once you put your name in the pool, you're in the pool. So you might as well swim. These days, it's a little bit easier. because You really don't have anything to lose by going through the process. You know, you get invaluable feedback on your game where, or in some cases if, you may get taken in the draft. And then you can return to school, right? You have that to fall back on if things don't work out. And nowadays, you know, players would be foolish, really. Like, if you think you have a legit shot to get to the NBA, and remember, the NBA draft is only two rounds. It's not like the NFL, which has seven. It's two rounds. That's it. So if things don't work out, if you don't find yourself – in, you don't think you'll get in one of those first two rounds or or as high as you may think you could, then you just go back to school. 
just stay away from the agents. Stay, stay away from the agencies. And I think one of these guys, as it stands right now, uh, has a much bigger upside than the other. Champagny was an absolute stud for Pitt this year. Only a sophomore. Kid's only 19 years old. He was named first team All-ACC. He was an honorable mention All-American. Uh, in 22 games, uh, Champagny had one of the, really the one of the better single seasons in Pitt history. He was the first Panther since Dewan Blair. Remember Dewan Blair? In the uh, 2008-09 season. First player since Dewan to average a double-double for the entire season. This year, Champagny went for 18 points, 11.1 boards a game. And he's the first to average at least 18 and 11 since Billy Wright, I'm sorry, Billy Knight, back in 1973-74. Champagny was the only major conference player to average a double-double this season. It's impressive. He led the ACC in rebounding. He was second in the ACC in scoring. And he was the only the fifth player in Pitt history to score in double figures every single game. Now, granted, the season was shortened to just 22 games because of, you know, COVID. McNeil, on the other hand, at this point, I never really thought of as an NBA prospect. So I was kind of surprised to see his name entered into the draft process. But again, like I said, it can't hurt. And look, there's no doubt he can shoot. Right? He made 69 threes this season. He had 23 points in that loss Sunday to Syracuse. 7 of 15 from three-point range in that game. Started uh, how many this year? 23, right? 23 of 29 games this year. Averaged 12.2 points a game. Downside is he's only 6'3". And I say, as somebody who's not even six foot tall, you know, only six three, but that's short by NBA guard standards. And I don't know if he has serious sights on the NBA right now. I think maybe he's doing this more for the experience and the feedback than anything else. And maybe he already knows that he's going back to Morgantown next season. And honestly, I'd be shocked if he officially enters the draft. And that's not putting down his game. That's not putting down what he can do or has done because he had a really good year. But I don't think McNeil is NBA ready. Champagny, he is more ready for the NBA right now. So I wouldn't be completely shocked if he turns pro. But I think even he'd be better served to go back to Pitt for his junior year. Because he's already said that he is looking forward to playing his twin brother, Julian, who plays for St. John's. St. John's and Pitt will play next season. He said he looks he's looking forward to playing against his twin brother. So maybe that was a little hint as to where he plans on being next season. So two names, again, like we talk about, to kind of keep an eye on here going through the NBA draft process. Now, the NBA hasn't even set a date for the NBA draft or pre-draft workouts. So who knows when those guys will get to join the process, but it'll be sooner rather than late. So we'll keep an eye on that. What we do know 
is when the NBA trade deadline will be. And we'll talk about that next. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Just got done talking about uh, West Virginia's Sean McNeil and Pitt's Justin Champagne entering the NBA draft process. Could still return to school if things don't work out. We just don't know when the NBA draft process was going to start because they haven't set dates yet for any of it. We do know when the NBA trade deadline is, and that's tomorrow. And we're going to have teams, as you see in really any sport, teams that are in the tank looking to unload some players and their contracts. Houston, third worst team in the association. They'll be looking to make some moves. Then there's Toronto which has lost nine straight and 11 of 12 Raptors are engaged in talks to move a player, maybe two. With more on the entire trade situation, here's ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj! I think there's a a, a real distinct possibility that Victor Oladipo will be traded again here before Thursday's deadline. Houston's been talking with you know, a number of teams around the league. And uh, listen, they traded for Oladipo uh, with the idea that they could still move him on, that he was an asset uh, that would have some value in the marketplace. And there was a significant level of confidence stand today in Houston that they would have a deal that they could move on uh, by Thursday's deadline. Meanwhile, the Raptors have lost nine in a row. Kyle Lowry, a beloved player, north of the border, may have a statue out front of their arena one day, but he could be on the move. What are you hearing there? Well, not only Kyle Lowry, but Norman Powell, both players, you know, will be free agents this summer. For Lowry, listen, he's worked uh, in cooperation with Masai Ujiri about places that he would be open to going to because of his stature and what he's meant to that Toronto organization. There are a number of teams, including Philadelphia, Uh, Miami, who have an interest in Kyle Lowry, who have talked to Toronto, and then Norman Powell. Listen, this is he's had a breakout year, averaging almost 20 points a game, 27 years old. A lot of interest in him. So this could be a really transformative trade deadline for Masai Ujiri and that Toronto organization. Could be a homecoming for Lowry, who was a star at Philadelphia High School, and of course played at Villanova as well. If the 76ers can't get Lowry, what other players might get some interest from them well they checked in on a number of guards who are available including lonzo ball i think that's a long shot uh, but more realistic uh, george hill in oklahoma city uh, there's a great deal of interest in hill it may not be uh, a blockbuster in philly but i think uh, they have an opportunity to get better at the deadline here now the lakers might be in the market at a player with both LeBron James and Anthony Davis still out with injuries. As you can expect, L.A. struggling just a bit without their two you know, all-world players, including last night's 128-111 loss to the Pelicans in New Orleans, a game in which they trailed by as many as 30, and they were outscored in the paint 62-32. Uh, Mark Kessischer and P.J. Carlissimo had the call of that game on ESPN Radio. Lakers have now lost three in a row. PJ, this is two full games without LeBron James, really two and three quarters if you go back to his injury on Friday night against Atlanta. Uh, They get bounced in New Orleans, and as they head home, we don't know when these 
big stars are going to come back, either LeBron or Anthony Davis? Well, it's one thing to lose 40% of your starting lineup. It's another thing to lose 40% of the first-team all-NBA starting lineup. That's what they've lost. And short sample that we've seen, major concern for Frank Vogel, where they're going to manufacture offense from. Uh, I think he can tie the defense together. There's no question about that. There are a lot of players out there that that know how to defend. But uh, Frank told us when we talked to him early this morning, uh, Kesty, that he thought they would miss LeBron more on the defensive end because he's the linebacker, he's the quarterback of the defense, he recognizes other teams' plays, and he gets his uh, players in the right position. They were not in the right position this evening. They didn't stop New Orleans at all, and they could manufacture very little on the offensive end. I would say major, major concerns for the Lakers. Yeah, they're tied for the third and fourth spots now with the Los Angeles Clippers. Do you you're not going to make any rash decisions with your lineup, for example, maybe making Montrez Harrell a starter instead of coming off a bench, et cetera, or do you just try to ride this out until AD can come back? Because they have cushion between that 3-4 spot and then looking down toward 8-10 and 10 with uh, just over f- a half, a little under a half yeah, season to go. I don't think they're going to fall out of the playoffs, Kesty, but no, they may have to make some moves. The answer, the cop-out answer is how long those two are going to be out. If they're going to be out for weeks, which we're here, and again, you hear from the outside. I mean, I know coaching, a lot of times you as a coach don't know how long guys are going to be out. You're with the doctors, you're with the trainers and go, how long? And they kind of give you the palms up and go, hey, I don't know. We're going to treat them and it's going to be a question of how they respond. Now, LeBron is a whole different person in terms of how he responds to injuries. But no, they may have to make some serious moves right now in terms of changing the lineup because they got to find a way to be more competitive And the problem is when you ratchet it up and you push players up a couple of positions, guys that are used to being the third, fourth, or fifth best player now got to go against the best players on the other teams. It's a problem. So uh, I think they very well may have to figure out what's the best line. You know, it's almost like we're starting all over. It's the beginning of the year. How are we going to win games with this roster? Uh, And then worry later when LeBron and AD come back then you put the other players back in the position where they were. I don't think this is a situation where you, you're worried about your rotation or keeping guys that are off the bench coming off the bench. You're worried about being competitive right now. If that means putting Montrez in the starting lineup, then I think Frank Vogel will do that. Lakers now 0-3 without LeBron James this year. It was only the fourth game without both James and Anthony Davis. They've dropped three out of four in those games. Lakers head home to open up a homestand against the East-leading Philadelphia 76ers on Thursday and coming off a loss in New Orleans, 128-111 at the hands of the Pelicans. For P.J. Carlissimo, I'm Mark Kestisher right here on your home for the NBA playoffs, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. All right, so there you go. Lakers could or could not be in business at the deadline tomorrow. Right now, as you heard uh, the guys say, Lakers tied for the third and fourth spot in the West with the Clippers. Game and a half ahead of Denver. Two and a half ahead of Portland. There is a six-game gap between the Lakers and Golden State and Memphis, who are tied for the ninth spot. So, L.A. not in serious jeopardy of falling out of the playoff spot just yet. But they need to get at least one of their superstars back soon. At least one. Look, they are seven and ten since Anthony Davis got hurt. 
that's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. As you heard the guy say, 0-3 without LeBron and AD. It's tough enough losing one of your superstars, let alone both. And that six-game cushion may come in handy if those guys can't get... AD was supposed to be back relatively soon, but now he might be out longer than expected. So the Lakers, no pun intended, treading water, (laughs) waiting for uh, their all-world everythings to get back on the court. All right, uh, hour number one in the book. Still uh, taking your phone calls, 301-759-2628. Don't forget to check out our uh, Twitter poll, at ESPN Morning Rush. Want to know if you're a Washington football fan, are you good if the team just sticks with WFT as the official name, or do you think they need a legit nickname? So head over to uh, our Twitter page, at ESPN Morning Rush, and cast your vote. Again, every vote on this show counts. All right, hour number one in the books, hour number two on the corner doing push-ups. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. So, the number of lawsuits against Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson continues to grow. It has reached 16. Caller, hold on. Before we get into that, let's pause and let's go to the rush line, 301-759-2628. You're up. Who's this? Tony, this is Chapin Jewel. How you doing this morning? Oh, my man. Chapin Jewel, Mineral Daily News Tribune, all-around great guy. Guest hey. of the show. We miss you here in the studio, Chapin. What's going on, brother? Well, I'm calling this morning to brag on uh, one of our fantastic Mineral County student-athletes. I believe you might know this young man. (laughs) Indeed I do. Please go ahead. (laughs) All right. So I know that you you have mentioned on the show that uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to write an article about your son, Christian. Yes. And being a dad, I I know you you maybe want to brag, but maybe didn't feel it totally proper to brag, so I'm going to do it for you if that's okay. That I uh, I will concede, and you you may take over. Go ahead. All right, let's talk about a young man who, first of all, is an, an outstanding runner, uh, member of the cross country team, the Class Double State Champion cross country team, uh, and also the track team at Frankfurt High. Right. Let's talk about a young man who's also a black belt in Taekwondo from Kickmasters in Lavelle. Um, having had a son go through that program, I know what that takes and what that entails, and uh, that alone is something to brag about. Um, And then let's talk about a young man whose grades are so good that I believe he is at the very tip-top of his class, his graduating class, which will graduate here in a couple months, I guess. Right. But it doesn't end there. Um, Kind of the reason for the article was the fact that uh, he was able to garner quite an academic award or honor, and that's the fact that he was named a National Merit Scholarship Finalist. Now, a lot of people don't necessarily know why that's such a big deal, so uh, I'll tell you. Um, First off, this competition, if you want to call it that, is something that starts out with an application process of 1.5 million of the best and brightest. So 
um, people applying for this process are not necessarily C students. These are guys and girls that, that already are kind of at the top of the academic food chain. So it starts out with $1.5 million. It gets whittled down ultimately to where Christian is, and that is as a, as a finalist for the National Merit Scholarship. 15,000 people remain. So we're talking 1.5 million of the best and brightest. Christian gets whittled down to a finalist, 15,000. Um, and one of the things that that entailed for him was a perfect, and that does literally mean didn't miss a question, perfect math score on his SAT, and an English score that wasn't very far behind. Right. So if that's not the, the true picture of the ultimate student-athlete, I don't know what is. <laughs> well, so hats off. I, well, I appreciate all of that. Um, and I didn't even know until I read your article that the pool started out that big at $1.5 million. I had no idea. Yes. And just you know, to have it whittled down to 15000 out of that big pool is, is a great accomplishment. And, I, and I, you know, I put it on Facebook, and, you know, you're right. I don't. I, I don't go out of my way, and maybe I should, to brag about my son too much. I, I just, I just, I never felt comfortable about that. Um, but I told you, I put it on Facebook because I felt this was something that was worth putting on Facebook. And I mentioned it there, and I'll mention it to you now that yeah, I have you on the line. I, and I know many other people, appreciate the job that you do and the Mineral Daily News Tribune in highlighting and putting the spotlight on the kids in Mineral County and the surrounding areas, not just, you know, athletically, but academically. I know I appreciate that greatly, and so many other people do. The job that you guys do, you know, just getting it out there, what these kids are doing, the work they're putting in, the accomplishments. So I'm going to tell you personally, not just on Facebook, uh, that I appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Well, I appreciate that. I really do, and and. I always tell people if, if you think I do a good job, and some people do, some people probably don't, but it's so easy just simply because of what I have to work with, and that is just an outstanding crop of young student-athletes uh, athletes or just students right. in the Mineral County school system. So kudos to that. And also I want to give kind of a shout-out to um, Principal Ori Poncione at Frankfurt because really this started with him sending me a message saying, hey, we've got uh, Christian Shemaya, National Merit Scholarship finalist. We need to get this kid recognized. Um, so hats off to Ori for valuing, you know, the honor that it is and for uh, reaching out to us saying we'd like to tell this story, and, and we told it, and I was happy to do so. Right, and I, and I personally uh, thanked Ori myself before practice the other day uh, for doing just that, and he was like, hey, he said, your boy did all the hard work. I, I'm just making sure people know about it. So I was, you know, very grateful, you know, for everybody all around for getting it out there. Well, you uh, know, since since we are sports guys, I do want to touch on kind of the sports angle with Christian. Mm-hmm. One thing that may or may not have gotten lost in the shuffle of Frankfurt winning that uh, state championship. Of course, everybody knows the story that Garrett Ferguson wasn't able to run. So Frankfurt originally was a twenty point favorite when when Garrett was removed from the picture. Um, that reduced it down to only a five-point favorite heading into that, that day. And uh, that's not a very big margin for error no. across the country. And uh, to top it off, you know, you were basically knew you were going head-to-head with uh, 
the evil empire, and I say that jokingly, but uh, <laughs> you're going head-to-head with Fairmont Senior, right. who wins everything. In right. fact, just the other day, they won a cheerleading state championship. Um, so you knew going in that literally it was going to take the race of their lives. And then when I say their, I mean the entire team right? Um, for Franklin. They, they had to kind of pull off a miracle to make it happen, and they did. And, and Christian in particular, and I remember this, and we talked about this when, when I interviewed him, he was projected to finish either 33rd or 34th, you, you probably know. Mm-hmm. It was 33rd. 33rd. Yeah. And, and he ends up 18th. I mean, you know, you want to talk about kind of overperforming or rising to the occasion. You know, certainly his academic exploits are the most important thing here. But, but as an athlete, I mean, that was spectacular. And, uh, you know, he needs a shout-out for that, too, I think. Yeah, and I remember uh, being there on the fence at the finish line at the state meet. And when he crossed the finish line, he gave this big old, you know, he did, he pumped his fist. And, and to know my son, he's not very – he doesn't emote a lot as far as that goes. He's kind of very – just kind of laid back and, and whatnot. But whenever I saw that fist pump, I, I I knew that he knew that he had just run a pretty good race. Absolutely. And, of course, you were there at the finish line, too. You got some great pictures as well. But uh, I was. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was it was a tremendous experience. So, so again, we all know that – in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, what's going to carry Christian successfully the rest of his life is going to be his smarts and his dedication and his work ethic and all that stuff. But, but just from a pure sports perspective, you know, I, I want you to know that I really appreciated that effort that he gave and, and the role he helped play in, in winning that state championship for Franklin. Well, I definitely appreciate you, uh, you bragging on my son for me since, <laughs> since I am <laughs> so hesitant to do it. Uh, I thank you, and man, I can't wait. One day, hopefully soon, we will get you back here in the studio. That sounds good, like we did before, and talk Mineral County, Allegheny County sports, man. I can't wait for that day. Looking forward to that, Chapin. Thank you very much as always. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Right, thank you. Have a great day. All right, you too. All right, there he is, Chapin Jewel, the man. He is the man. I don't want to use that lightly. When I call people the man, they're the man. And Chapin is definitely the man when it comes to covering uh, local sports. I, I call him the hardest working man in regional sports. And I, I don't say that lightly. I really don't. I can, <laughs> I can sit here and I can honestly tell you, look, I sat in the same seat that Chapin's sitting in now. I, my first sports job in this area was... As the sport, now, he's not the sports editor, he's a sports writer, but I wrote, I covered sports at the, the News Tribune way back in the day. And I can tell you right now, and I'll be the first one to admit it, I didn't work nearly as hard as Chapin does. I'm not saying I didn't work hard. I still, you know, try to cover as much as I could. But Chapin's everywhere. I mean, he's, he's literally everywhere. If, you, if there's a Mineral County a sporting event, you turn around and boop, there he is. Every, and, and you could have events that are 50 miles apart. He does everything that he can to cover it all. He is truly the hardest working man in regional sports, even harder than me. But I appreciate uh, what he just did there. Because, again, you know, um, we, we, we try to – we try to – Teach humility, right? We, we we try to 
teach our kids to stay humble, you know, and not to be braggadocious. So I try not to to use this time. I, I did mention the article yesterday. It's, it's, it is. It's, it's a proud moment for uh, Mrs. C and I. You know, it's not every day that you get to see your child on the front page of the newspaper, which is where that article was in the news trib yesterday. It's not every day that happens. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a special occasion. And you want to share it, you know, on the socials and you bring it up. But you don't want to go, you know, overboard. So I appreciate Chapin calling in and <laughs> bragging on my boy, you know, for me. One, one note about the, the state meet is uh, there's a website called, uh, it's wvrun.com. And they really do a great job of covering cross country and, and track in the state of West Virginia. I mean, a really thorough job. And at the state cross country meet, which was held uh, last Halloween, uh, they gave like a capsule of each state meet. You know, boys and girls, triple A, boys and girls, double A, boys, you know. And in the double A capsule, they gave like an MVP of each state race, all right, in all the classifications. And my boy was named the MVP of the double A meet because because of what Chapin said. He was projected 33rd, finished 15th. And I brought it up and I was like, oh man, that's cool. You know, told my boy, that's awesome, MVP. And again, humility. He was like, yeah, he says, but you know, the projection of 33rd was based on how he performed in previous races and which he really didn't he he was he was struggling there for a bit that's what the projection was based on and the fact that he ran you know 15 spots higher or whatever it was 18 spots can't remember what it was it was still pretty cool i mean he he really came through in a matter the whole the whole entire team did and we sat here and we celebrated that team without their number 1 runner and to still pull together and win that state title, just a third state title in Frankfurt history, is pretty awesome. But uh, thank you, Chapin Jewel, for, you know, hyping up my son when I'm so reluctant to do it. Fair enough? All right. Uh, all right, so we talk, started talking about Deshaun Watson, and uh, what time is it? You want to start now? I want to just wait. It's 20 after. All right, tell you what we'll do. Uh, we'll go to break. Uh, we got some news and weather coming up. And when we come back, we'll get back into Deshaun Watson. The lawsuit's now up to 16. <laughs> I hate to go from such a, you know, at least in my world, such a good story to this, but we got to get to it sooner or later. So we'll get to Deshaun Watson next again. Thanks to Chapin Jewel. Hopefully, Chapin will get you back in the studio soon. We get back to some kind of normalcy. News and weather coming up, and then Deshaun Watson after that. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. If you want to call and brag on my son some more, feel free. (laughs) I kid. I Chapin Joel from the uh, News Tribune. Hardest working man in regional sports called last segment uh, to brag on my son, the subject of uh, Chapin's latest article on the news trip. So uh, I am reluctant to do so, so he did it for me, and I appreciate that. 
Don't forget, Twitter page, at ESPN Morning Rush. Vote on our uh, daily Twitter poll, which is never put up daily, but we call it that anyway. If you are a Washington football fan, would you be okay with the team sticking with Washington football team as its official name? Or do you want a more traditional nickname? Head over at ESPN Morning Rush and uh, cast your vote. I'm beginning to think that we are being put on here when it comes to the shrimp tails in the cereal box story. Something that, for some reason, I have been following very closely the past couple of days. So I brought it up yesterday because I, I, I got a good laugh out of it. This guy named Jensen Carp posted a picture, went viral, after he discovered what it looks to be like shrimp tails in his box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Right? And he put a picture of it online, and it, it looked like it. it did. And then I found out later in the day yesterday after the show that this man, Jensen Carp, is married to... The girl who, well, I guess she's not a girl now, but the woman who played Topanga on the TV show Boy Meets World, which I thought was, you know, just an interesting side note. And now I see this on Twitter. This was posted a while ago. And now I'm starting to think this is, this is a, a setup because this guy puts it together, <laughs> a man named Carp. Married to a... Do you know what Topanga's real name is, by the way? Danielle Fischel. Okay? So her name is Danielle Fischel Carp. All right? So he says, a man named Carp married to a woman named Fischel found shrimp tails in a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. The cereal was purchased from the Costco on Topanga Canyon Boulevard. And his wife played Topanga in Boy Meets World. Meanwhile, Carp used to be a guest on the Pistol Shrimp podcast. I'm beginning to think that we're getting the old runaround here. And then Jensen Carp responded to that saying, I can't believe this is all factually correct. Mm, Neither can I. I'm starting to, no pun intended, I'm starting to smell something fishy here with the carp shrimp tail saga. (laughs) And I won't stand for it. We have to believe everything that's on the internet, don't we? It's on the internet. Call her, hold on. (laughs) The whole thing is just funny to me. Let's go to the rush line, 301-759-2628. You're up. Who's this? This is James, brother. James, what's going on? Hey, nice pun. Something smells uh, Yeah, you like that? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> hey, this Washington football team poll that you're having. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Thank you. They should, they should not have Washington football team from here on out. That is stupid. Thank it's you. It's like it's not even a real team. Right. It's like an exhibition team or something. Right. It's, it's, like, like, the, it's like somebody would play the Globetrotters. Yeah, they even have a name, the Generals. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know what I mean? And you knew they're going to lose. So <laughs> that's like a bar, that's like a barnstorming team back in the 1940s, the Washington <laughs> Football Team. 
well, I was thinking about this the other day. It's funny that you have that poll up today. I was thinking this the other day. You know, back when I started watching the Redskins play, I wanted to be John Riggins. That's who I wanted to be. Sure. But one of one of my fondest memories is of a certain facet of fans that were in the stands. They had the the, the pig noses and oh, the yeah. braids and the hogs. Why the don't they just call yeah. themselves Washington Hogs? Why not? I think a lot of fans would get on board with that, believe it or not. I do. Because, I mean, they – okay. But, the, but those those the, fans the, were called the Hogettes, right? Because they were in dresses. Yes, yes. But the offensive line was called the Hogs, yeah. You, you bet. But what my, my point is, I understand that the name Redskins is offensive, and fans that acknowledge that it's offensive also didn't want to see it go away because they grew up with this team as their team. Right. And that's like a part of their childhood and, and whatever gets cut out of their life. So why not just go back to a throwback affiliation with that name, the Hogs? I'm and da- then we, we kind of get something back. I'm down with that. Absolutely. So that's my idea, the yeah. Washington Hogs. And I think that would go over with the fans anyway. Yeah, and, and the team president, Jason Wright, said yesterday that uh, you know they're getting input from everybody, you know, including fans. And some fans actually like Washington football team because it still ties in with the old team. But I'm like, well, it's going to be called Washington anyway. It's not like you're changing the entire name. Right. You know, so it's not, it's not like they're going to be called like the Landover football team. And, and, and the past history is all going to be – it's still going to be Washington, just a different name. Like, I don't understand that. Like, well, he, the thing is, Tony, and, and this is where I'm coming from, I'm not a fan of Washington, the city. I'm not uh, a fan of Washington. I was a fan of the Redskins. They just happened to be in Washington. So you wouldn't mind the Landover football, <laughs> football team? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's crazy anymore. But, yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm not a Red, I wasn't a Redskins fan because of them being in Washington right. in close proximity to me. I grew up idolizing John Reagan. Sure, sure. So the, the fact that they're Washington, that doesn't – I don't care about that. I got you. So I got you. Just send it back to the Hogs, man. Hey, I you know like what I mean? It. I like it. Very good. All right, brother. I'll All let right. you go. Thanks, James. So you'll let me go. I'll let you guys run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, later on. Dude. Right, have a good day, man. All right, here you go. 301-759-2628. Rush line is open once again. Mark down James for the Washington Hogs. How about the Washington Razorbacks, like Arkansas? Is that a hog? That's – the same family, right? Something like that. But I, I'm with him 100%. I don't want it. And I'm not even a Washington fan. I just don't want to have to be sitting here come football season and just constantly having to reference them as the Washington football team or WFT. It's, it's stupid. It's stupid to me. It is. Every team should have a name. It should be Cowboys versus Eagles, you know, Bears versus Vikings, Steelers versus Ravens, not. Giants versus the Washington football team. They, 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 that sounds like an exhibition team. Like it's an exhibition game, a spring game, right? You know how colleges have like the, the red and white, like Nebraska has the red and white game, right? Mountaineers have the, the blue and gold game. That's what it sounds like. It's a Washington football team. That sounds like an exhibition game, preseason game, in some, you know, undesirable location, somewhere like Albuquerque. Right? <laughs> not that Albuquerque's talking football related. 
I've never been to New Mexico. I'm sure they're fine people. And Albuquerque is a great city. But that's what it sounds like. You know, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to today's exhibition game between whatever. The L.A. Rams and the Washington football. That's what it sounds like. The L.A. football team and the Washington football team. It needs a nickname. Daggone it. All right. Anyway, that poll was still up on Twitter. At ESPN Morning Rush, cast your vote. All right, so uh, Deshaun Watson, we mentioned uh, the lawsuits are now up to 16 after two more suits were filed late yesterday afternoon. And Watson's lawyer, Rusty Harden, said in a statement that his firm has, quote-unquote, strong evidence that one of the lawsuits alleging sexual assault is false in that it, quote, calls into question the legitimacy of the other cases as well, end quote. And Harden also said he believes that any allegation that Watson forced a woman to commit a sexual act is, quote-unquote, completely false. And Harden, he kind of went in on Houston lawyer Tony Busby, who he's filed all 16 lawsuits. And Harden said that Busby has created what he called a circus light atmosphere by using social media to publicize 14 Jane Doe lawsuits. That statement came out before the final two lawsuits were filed. So he says that, that Busby has created this circus-like atmosphere by using Twitter and Facebook and the socials to what he called these Jane Doe lawsuits. Now, that one case that he referenced, that he has strong evidence that one of the lawsuits is false, which could cast a shadow upon the other lawsuits. With more on that one case that Harden singled out, here's ESPN investigative reporter John Barr. In addition to the statement that Rusty Harden provided today, he also provided a declaration from Brian Burney, who is the marketing manager for Deshaun Watson. And Burney claims that back in mid-January of this year, a woman reached out to him pledging her indefinite silence if Burney and Watson's camp provided her with $30,000. He then asked the woman what the money was even being would even be paid for and it was his understanding at some point that it was some sort of sexual encounter he says the woman admitted to him that it was consensual this is all in a signed affidavit from bernie bernie also said that he heard from a man who claimed to be associated with the woman identifying himself as her business manager and he also demanded money a payment of thirty thousand dollars Bernie says when he said to the man that what he was describing sounded a lot like extortion, the man replied, it's not extortion, it's blackmail. So Rusty Harden put all of that out there today in a prepared statement and says that this calls into question the claims of all the other women. But just minutes after that happened, a 15th and now a 16th lawsuit were filed against Deshaun Watson. I had a chance to talk to Tony Busby, the attorney for all of these women, about the statement that Harden put out and about this alleged extortion plot that they have now put out there from Watson's marketing manager. And Busby said that he doesn't understand why Watson's camp would admit to any sort of payment for sex, consensual or otherwise. He also says that he's prepared to put out a non-disclosure agreement 
that Watson and his marketing manager asked this woman to sign. So the gloves are off in this legal dispute as the attorneys, both of whom uh, have, have said at varying points that they don't want this to play out in public. Well, guess what? It's playing out in public. Yeah, the gloves are off, and this is just the first round. Right? They're just they're just feeling each other out right now, like two boxers circling the ring, right? They'll jab, 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 jab. And it's out there. It's all over the place. And remember, all these lawsuits are civil suits. Now I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play nor do I play one on the radio. But these are civil suits, not criminal lawsuits. And if I'm understanding correctly, civil lawsuits help protect, enforce, or fix the private rights of citizens. Criminal lawsuits are formal charges claiming that somebody committed a crime. And these civil suits, according to ESPN legal analyst Ryan Smith, they could take a while. For civil cases, it can take months or longer. We're talking about... Uh, first, there's service of process, which I assume in some of these cases might have already happened. We don't know for sure. Then, typically, Deshaun Watson's side will answer these claims. Then you go to the point where, norm- in, in many cases, and you might see this in this case, Deshaun Watson's lawyers will ask to have these cases dismissed. We'll see how judges view that. Then you go on the process of different things like discovery. You proceed to trying to establish a jury or, 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 or otherwise. So these things take a long time. And typically what you might say is, well, maybe it settles. Maybe it goes away pretty quickly. It was pretty clear that Deshaun Watson said he wasn't, at least initially, was not interested in settling this. And now that you have such a large volume, it does seem like settlement is much more unlikely than it was at the beginning of this process. So this is the kind of thing that can take a very long time, months if not long. For the record, that I didn't cut that off. That was given to me that way. That was not my editing blunder. Point is, this is going to take a while. This is just getting started. There there might be more lawsuits as far as we know. Gloves are off. We're in the first round. This is going to be a 15-round bout. And it is far from over. So definitely something we'll keep an eye on in the weeks and months ahead. All right. One final break. Come back to wrap things up. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Before we get out of here to check on the uh, player who delivered yesterday, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard, how about the Joker? Jokic has it across the timeline, off the quarter, layup is up and in, and there it is, by the way, Scotty. Another triple-double for Nikola Jokic. That's his 11th of the season, 26-15-10. and the call on the Altitude Radio Network, Nikola Jokic. He actually had uh, 28, 15, and 10. That was the final line. As the Nuggets beat the Magic in Orlando, 110-99. Denver has now beaten Orlando nine straight times and 16 of the last 18 meetings uh, dating back to the 2003-04 season. So Nikola Jokic, the Joker, our player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping, and supplier. Now, before that game, Denver head coach Michael Malone, uh, very emotional. He addressed the uh, tragic shooting in a Boulder, Colorado grocery store that left uh, 10 people dead. For civil cases, 
it can take months. That's the wrong one. That's my bad. My apology. Boy, I built that up, and then I just tore it down with hitting the wrong button. Here is Denver head coach Michael Malone. Uh, Yesterday was another tragedy. Uh, Hopefully there's something that we can find a way to prevent from happening in the future. And uh, I think I speak for everyone on our team, our travel party, uh, that our thoughts and prayers, which is never enough, but our thoughts and prayers are definitely with the Boulder community and all the uh, families of the 10 innocent people who were murdered yesterday. Uh, Ricky Olds, Denny Strong, Nevin Stanisich, Trelona Bartkowiak, Suzanne Fountain, Terry Liker, Kevin Mahoney, Lynn Murray, Jody Waters, and police officer Eric Talley, who, uh, father of seven kids. So we, we, we keep all of them in our, in our thoughts and prayers. We get judged on wins and losses, but if you take a step back and, and you put yourself in, in one of those families, what, what do you feel? This is a game. It's a game I love. I have a passion for. But I think about Eric Talley and his seven kids. That's what I think about. I'm just heartbroken for them and everybody else. And hopefully we as a country, we as a state, can find a way to be better. So that was a Nuggets head coach, Michael Malone, uh, before their game last night. Obviously, as you could tell, overcome with emotion, talking about this is another tragic, senseless act of violence, you know? And, and we can sit here and we can recognize it as what it is. And we're shocked by it, right? We are jolted by it. Ten people dead. Ten people who just walked into a grocery store to pick up some things. Nine people, actually. The tenth was the the, the officer he was talking about who arrived on the scene. And lives, families are changed forever. And we can sit here in Western Maryland... And again, be upset by it. But boy, when it really, when it when it happens in your backyard, right? You can you can tell the effect that it had on on Coach Malone there. When it happens in your state, in your town, in your city, when it's right there, it it, it hits you it hits you differently, does it not? You can tell it hit him differently. Did any of, I mean, really, when you think about it, did it hit you that way when you found out the news? Maybe it did. Maybe it did. Just saying. Sometimes it, 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 these things hit a little closer to home uh, than others. Uh, tonight, 
there's no really easy way to get out of that, so we're just going to move on. Tonight, weather permitting, we have some Nationals uh, spring training action here, first time this year on the station. Of course, the station right here is the home uh, for the Washington Nationals. We'll have them all season long. And the Nats, who they have tonight? They have uh, the Astros. It's a 6.05 start. So we'll have some Nationals spring training action. How about that? Also, um, I just saw this on Twitter. And, boy, it just seems like if it's not one thing with Steelers receivers, it's another. Uh, TMZ Sports released footage of Chase Claypool being involved in a late-night bar fight in SoCal back on March 13th. Now, TMZ says that he was not an instigator, but he did kind of step in when things got out of control and he was seen uh, kicking somebody in the face. So, there you go. If it isn't one thing, if it's not Claypool getting in a bar fight, if it's not Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on logos, if it's not Antonio Brown just you know, being Antonio, it just seems like every time you turn around, a Steelers receiver is in the news for reasons that they shouldn't be. I don't know what's going to happen with Chase Claypool. I don't know if he, you know, if there's any police involvement. I don't know if there are any police on the scene. I have no idea. Again, this is from TMZ Sports. Chase Claypool apparently involved in a bar fight. So the beat goes on with the Steelers receivers. All right. Uh, the beat goes on tomorrow because we're done right now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the phone calls. I appreciate you. Have a great day. Be safe. See you back here tomorrow, 7 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Ah, see ya.